0: Welcome to the AWS Health Innovation Podcast, where you can learn from entrepreneurs and investors who are driving progress in healthcare and life science across the globe. My name is Joe Schunkweiler. I'm a physician and former health tech executive.
1: And my name is Alex Merwin. I'm an operations executive who's worked at two startups that exited as
0: unicorns. And now Joe and I work with healthcare and life science startups and investors at AWS. Today, I welcome Caitlin Donovan and Jacob Lawford to the podcast. Caitlin is the global head of Uber Health a division of Uber that is dedicated to improving health outcomes by helping enable better access to care and services. Jacob is the chief operating officer of ShiftMed, an on-demand workforce marketplace that connects nursing professionals looking for flexible work with healthcare providers in need of additional nursing staff. Caitlin and Jacob not only walk us through the recent partnership between Uber Health and ShiftMed, but they also discuss the implications of more care moving outside the hospital the role of transportation in driving retention among providers, the importance of paying close attention to both the supply and demand side in complex healthcare labor markets, and the way complementary tech-enabled solutions can combine forces to solve healthcare's most pressing challenges. Enjoy. Caitlin Donovan, Global Head of Uber Health, and Jacob Laufer, COO of ShiftMed. Thanks for joining me today.
2: Thanks so much for having us, Joe.
0: Thanks for having us. Caitlin, I'd love to start off with you. Can you tell us a bit about Uber Health and and where you all fit in the larger Uber universe?
2: Absolutely. So I think hopefully everyone knows what Uber is and is an avid user of Uber. Um, Thinking about the the app that's on your phone that allows you to connect to a ride or a delivery um, uh, to, to conveniently get where you need to go or get something delivered to you. Uber Health builds upon that idea and that core competency of Uber by allowing it to be used in a healthcare setting. So instead of having a user app, we're built as a software platform, whether it's a dashboard or an API, to connect patients to what they need in a scalable way. So a provider, a call center, a case manager um, can request things on behalf of their patients to make sure that they get where they need to go. Or things can be delivered to them.
0: And how did you how did you come to this? Because it feels like it's a natural extension, but also not the most intuitive extension of what Uber is doing uh, doing otherwise. But where where did you come into this this enterprise?
2: So so my background has been more on the um, in healthcare than in tech specifically, and have been lucky enough to have experience in the ancillary benefit space, which are all of those things that are big enough to matter to patients and to matter to insurance companies, but too small for them to want to do themselves. So they tend to outsource them. Think things like home healthcare and durable medical equipment and transportation. So I was COO of a non-emergency medical transportation company and VP of operations at a home healthcare post-acute company and saw a lot of similarities in what was happening. Um, First, when I was at a home healthcare company, our care coordinators were spending upwards of 50% of their time thinking about things like, how do I get my patient a ride back to their appointment? How do I make sure food gets delivered to their house? How to make sure a prescription gets delivered to their house? Um, And then when I was CEO of a non-emergency medical transportation company that industry had been around for 40 years and had not seen an infusion of technology that really put the patient first or even the provider first. Um, You know, uh, there was a black box that a patient had to call to figure out how to get their ride, wait for three hours and have that ride maybe or maybe not show up. Right. And so thinking about how do you combine those two needs, leverage technology to empower those care coordinators to solve that very real problem that they have, Um, seems like a perfect fit, both for my experience and with the core competencies that Uber as a company had.
0: On this podcast, I've had the pleasure of exploring many of these scenarios where the trends meet the people with that background, meet the technology, and that's the 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 magic happens in that combination and it feels like you really have found that moment with your own background and what you were doing on the ancillary side plus non-emergency medical transport and now into uh into the uber universe that's that's great jacob i'd love to hear more about ShiftMed and what you all do
1: yeah, so thanks, Joe. ShiftMed is the number one nursing job app across America. We have over 100,000 W2 employees, everything from community healthcare workers all the way up to critical care RNs. Using our app on a local basis to find for DM shifts, we, we serve across the whole continuum of care. So we've delivered 4 million hours of care in the home. And then over 10 million hours of care in post-acute and acute facilities. And we're currently live in over 115 markets. Our partners are able to use our software to find the, the holes in their open shifts and then make those available to credentialed from community healthcare workers all the way up to critical care RNs to be matched against and make sure that they have the right amount of staff to to, to care for all the patients and residents that they're serving.
0: And when you say partners, you mean hospitals, health systems, hospitals, providers,
1: all the way down to senior living providers, as well as even uh, payers, and insurers, and providers. We even provide HRA assessments to uh, large health systems and, and payers.
0: And Jacob's on a similar note, how did your own, like how are you the yeah. person to solve this, this thorny challenge in your team at, at Shiftman?
1: It's, it's interesting, as, as you made that parallel, Joe, and Caitlin's background, and that was actually the first time that I've, I've heard Caitlin's whole spiel, um, but it, it's, it's the same type of uh, thing here. Um, you know, I've been a, a jack of all trades. I, I started out as an accountant, uh, moved into finance, which led me into the startup world. And the company before here at ShiftMed, I really got deep into marketplaces, where this is a big marketplace was with Snag a Job, which is the number one hourly marketplace. It really focused in on restaurants and hospitality. So healthcare was really new for me. But when I was there, I led growth products, helped to scale that to over 300,000 employers and over 100 million hourly workers looking for their next job. And saw the big problems that healthcare was gonna face back in, 2017 and 2018 and wanted to really work in a big problem space and deliver a lot of innovation. I think that outside of the mental health crisis in this country, like making sure that we have enough nurses and aides is probably in the top five issues and problems that our country is going to face. And so really wanted to throw myself out there and, and have been scaling up ShiftMed ever since.
0: I love the outsider-insider mix on the podcast today. Another theme that we have explored is the strength of coming in from outside of healthcare to solve healthcare problems, but Caitlin, to your experience, some of these problems and spaces are so nuanced, it's hard to go from zero to one on ancillary services, how that's paid for and delivered. One question I have is, given that you're both on here today, and I'd love to think that I'm making this match happen, but clearly that's not the case. How are Uber Health and ShiftMed working together? You all have just entered into a really interesting collaboration.
2: When I think about some of the media's problems in healthcare, I think we can all agree that care is moving to different places outside of the four walls of the hospital system. And that means that you need more caregivers at different levels and there's a massive caregiver shortage. And so one of the things that we've spent a lot of time thinking about is how do you find the right partners and enable them to successfully set up caregivers for success and really care for our caregivers? One of the things that we really think about is in the same way that patients may have access issues, so do caregivers, you know, and excited to hear the specifics of what Jacob has seen. But from our perspective, even just in the recruiting funnel, if you have caregivers that don't want to take a shift because they don't have reliable access to a car, that's impacting the staffing at a hospital. That's impacting the patients that they serve. That's impacting the caregiver themselves. And so how can we solve that problem scalably? When you think about once you move from a hospital setting to a post-acute setting and are now in the home, there's a lot of driving around waiting for parking. Imagine if you could see an extra patient a day just because you aren't driving around trying to figure out where to park. And then finally, think about the impact to the patient in the same way we're used to tracking an Uber ride. Here's the link to a live map. My car is about to show up or an Uber Eats delivery. Here's my delivery. They're two minutes away. The value of having a partner that has such a robust network of nurses, caregivers, et cetera, and being able to track them, the patient now knows when someone's going to get there, which has, again, value to the system. And the value to the patient, the caregiver, and the way that we operate at scale.
0: We talk about social determinants of health on the patient side, rightly as a well, what has gone from a being a buzz phrase or buzzword to being something that's really actionable over time. This is almost a social determinant of employment of getting to your job, I like the elements right. right that make yeah. you able to do that. You know, having had to do a longish commute to a hospital in my previous life. It is an added element that really can take a toll as a provider, much less if you're family at home and other things that are competing for your time and energy. Um, Jacob, I'd love, can you give us a little bit of how the sausage was made? Like, how did this deal come about? Like, how did you, how did you come to to this collaboration?
1: Yeah, first of all, there was really only one place to go when you're looking to find a partner that has... Uber scale to be able to offer across all of our markets and have great serviceable areas so that we can make sure that uh, even in rural or past the bus routes that we have a partner that we can rely upon. So we knew we were in the right place of reaching out to Uber and Uber Health. And we've since the beginning, even when we first got started in 2018, we this was like pre-product. We really Identified that this ride benefit was something that was needed. We had a a facility called Buckingham Valley and Rehab. It's out in, for anyone that's familiar with the Philadelphia metropolitan area, it's out in Bucks County. It's uh, past the bus line. And we would get great responses from aides and nurses in the area that wanted to work there, but they simply couldn't get there because of the bus line. And We reverse engineered that, looked at where these nurses and aides were in relation, and we found that in most of these instances, it was a $15 to $20 Uber that was keeping them from being able to work. So we've long been a large customer of Uber and Uber Health before they even saw us coming. So we were able to really explore this in like a pre-product, very manual way to prove out its value and look at it. I was at a health equity conference pretty recently, and this is a huge benefit there where there was a lot of health systems that have looked at how to give rides and they made Uber credits available for their nurses and aides. And they found that they were using them for other personal trips that they needed to do and driving really meaningful retention and the thought of making sure that when we look at our data across our platform, we find that about 31% of the time, uh, healthcare professionals when they are calling out of a particular assignment is because of a transportation issue. So think about two at the, the nursing aid ranks across this country, how many nursing aides like lose their job potentially because their car didn't start in the morning, right? And what is the health equity associated with that? And how can we foster this so that we can fix retention really more holistically while meeting patients where they're at, whether that's a rural facility or maybe just a very difficult to navigate urban setting where you have to do multiple different visits or prescription drops or just people that are in need of general assistance.
2: I think what's really interesting too, and I'm curious if this is your experience too, Jacob, we think when we think about lack of access to transportation, you physically don't have a car. But I think it goes beyond that. Anecdotally, we've heard from nurses and other home health aides, caregivers, et cetera, that sometimes they have a car. It's just being used by someone else or even sitting idle, but they don't want to put miles on the lease when they're traveling that frequently. And so thinking about the holistic problem you're solving, I think is really important in, in trying to solve the overall problem.
1: It really gets back to the kind of jobs to be done types of frameworks out there and looking at the clinicians' experiences is something that I think both Uber, Uber Health, and ShiftMed are spending a considerable amount of time and why we're all having success inside of the marketplace.
0: Jacob, how do you slice up your universe at ShiftMed? Like you serve, you rattled them off a variety of provider segments alone. How do you segment that customer base and What's Where have you seen the most growth among those customers?
1: Yes, all of our segments continue to expand. I would say probably mostly on the acute and post-acute segments, so hospitals to senior living providers, just given where they're at right now from the current labor shortages. But I believe really what, what we're seeing the most growth in is just clinicians looking for more flexibility in their schedules. We recently did our state of nursing surveys. And we found again for the like fifth year in a row that the number one reason that people are using our service is that they're looking for that flexible schedule. And that the top concern that they all have is working towards like a greater work-life balance. It's something that I think that we're meeting a lot of the nurses and aides and what they're what they're looking for right now. And I often tell like a personal story of my sister who's a nurse and She's wanted to be a nurse her whole life. She broke her arm in the same place three times. So she's always been predispositioned to want to be into the medical field. And she had set her sight on being a labor and delivery nurse for most of her adult life. And she was getting engaged, now married and going through the whole planning. And she lost her nighttime buddy. Hmm. And so if you work in the health system or a hospital, she was All of a sudden her whole schedule was completely thrown off. She went to the central staffing office. It was going to be six months to, to fix it. And so now she works in the emergency room, right? Mm. Because it wasn't the right schedule. And I just have to think about how many stories that nurses across this country are experiencing that gap in scheduling mix, because we really just have a large retention problem on our hands. We've got. 2.1 million unfilled healthcare jobs right now. We add 700,000 nurses every month. We lose 700,000 nurses every month. So I'm a pretty simple guy. And if we could just add 700 and lose 400 on a given month, we could solve this thing in seven months. I think that that's where we're really meeting the nurses. And I think that there's a lot that all of our partners can learn from this of how to engage your workforce so that we can more holistically help drive more retention, because we're going to need all hands on deck. We always say that the uh, the first baby boomer doesn't turn 80 until the year 2025. So I know we're in full World Series swing here. We've got (laughs) the Astros and Phillies coming up. And if this is a baseball game or a baseball season, the season hasn't even started yet, and we're still in the dugouts. we're going to need everything, every, every person that we can here.
0: And as a follow-up, you have a two-sided market, right? So how has the discussion shifted, if it has, on the partner side? Have you seen much more demand? Do you feel like you're, quote-unquote, selling less and being pulled in more on the partner side?
1: Well, it's it's important to note that in ShiftMed, we do only local per diem. So um, a lot of people, a lot of health systems are right now looking at how to reduce some of their travel nursing spend. And we're really there to help to partner there. One example I can give that is is really changing is we have our own proprietary product called Guaranteed Shifts. And we leveraged this so that our providers, we were really new to staffing, we're new to healthcare. And when we started measuring all of our shift funnel, one of the things that we could not figure out is that all of these, all healthcare providers will send out their open shifts to three to four different contingent labor sources or staffing agencies. And at the end of the week, they'll come back and they'll cancel like 40% of the providers that are out there. And and we just looked at this as not a very scalable way. If you're going to continue to turn away conditions that otherwise are ready to work, but you didn't have your schedule uh, precisely done. And we've been able to change this whole paradigm where people are coming back and canceling 40% of the time to saying, no, you need to actually guarantee these open shifts because that's how you're going to drive retention, and making sure that your contingent labor force, as well as your overall workforce, are coming back time and time again. And so we've been able to really show that as one, a goodwill measure where they can actually reduce their cost of what they need to put out into the marketplace to secure or source a particular healthcare professional, uh, but two, also deliver great continuity of care, right? It's not a great solution if it's Jacob in here one day, Joe in the next day, and Caitlin the, the day after, and by enabling these guaranteed shifts and building out their schedules as it matches, that's how we're able to actually start to hit healthcare's mandate, which is lowered costs and deliver better outcomes. So we think that that we're at, out at the uh, the forefront of that.
0: And Caitlin, I'm curious, we've seen so much evolution. Jacob highlighted some of that in the way they've worked with their partners on the provider side. Has Uber Health evolved from inception? Were those early days where they're thinking there are groups like ShiftMed out there that are trying to solve it on the labor side, and then we can be a bolster for that. How, talk me through some of that thinking and whether that has evolved since the beginning days for Uber Health.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think the, the first time that Uber thought about a concept that was similar to Uber Health was in the 2014 to 2017 period where we would run a flu vaccine campaign. And the idea was use our marketplace, bring care to people, And see if we drive better results by having healthcare on demand in a convenient way. Because the results were so good, like ShiftMed launched in 2018, Uber Health also launched in 2018, thinking about how do you meet patients where they are by making it easier for them to get to appointments and make it easier for providers to request things on behalf of patients. Again, did very nicely from 2018 through 2021, where we grew to about 3,000 customers. There yeah. was clearly a real market need there. Since I've joined in 2021, we've spent a lot of time thinking about how do you take that concept and make it incredibly scalable? And to me, the physical movement of people and things, you have to test in is table stakes because that's how you affect individual people, individual communities. But we've now been spending a lot of time thinking about how do you embed this notion of of access and of social determinants of health solutions into the ecosystem. And so we've been spending a lot of time doing two things over the past year and a half. One is finding great partners like Jacob and ShiftMed, because we recognize that our product is very complementary to what others are doing to have a complete solution in the ecosystem. I view it as you have a care team in healthcare for a reason. To do something well, you have to be pretty focused, but you need to string together a lot of different solutions to have a complete one. And the second thing that we've been doing is going upstream, talking to a lot of insurance companies about how do you structure your benefit design to make sure that that these programs are scalable. And to give an example of what we've been talking about, Let me give an example of what goes wrong if you don't think about how to structure your benefit design appropriately. Right. We had a contract where we were, there was an insurance company. There was a a care coordination company that was on a value-based contract. So they should have been incentivized financially to do the right thing for the patient. And there was a patient in need. This patient was a dual eligible member, meaning they were on Medicaid and Medicare Um, For those that don't know, Medicaid always has an unlimited transportation benefit. And this patient also happened to have a transportation benefit on their Medicare. They lived in Kentucky, regularly had to cross state lines to go to Cincinnati for care and had an acute event. Their care coordinator was on the phone with them, was contracted with Uber Health, knew that they should have requested an Uber to get them there. But because they crossed state lines, Medicaid wouldn't pay for the ride. Because this happened so frequently, they'd exhausted their Medicare benefit. And so this company called us and said, what do I do? And we said, well, the answer is clear. One, this is why we exist. Right. This is going to cost you about $40. That was the price of that specific ride. You're financially incentivized to do so. And even if you weren't, this is clearly the right thing to do for the patient. And they said, do you know what? I can't do it because technically the benefit does not exist. So patient ended up calling 911, taking an ambulance, that transportation alone now costs thousands of dollars instead of the $40 it would have, and they had an inpatient stay. So terrible experience for the patient, financially costly to the system, all because the benefits weren't designed appropriately. And so that's why we've been spending a lot of time building the right partnerships, building the right ecosystem. And then going upstream to make sure that the design of how they're implemented will work for um, for the system as a whole and not just on the, on the goodwill of those that want to do right.
0: What's the common thread for all those elements? Uber has, as a company, offers many different versions of what they're doing. And it sounds like you're mirroring that at Uber Health, whether it's delivery of services or goods or getting people one way to one place to the next, which is a uber core value prop, what would you say is that the thread that ties all those things together?
2: Yeah, I view it as, I think it's really important to know your core competencies and then to lean into them. And I view our core competency as being a technology marketplace that enables you to to better connect an ecosystem together. I think historically why technology's not played as much of a role in healthcare is the way that you have to build a network, whether that's of nurses like shift med um, or of transportation providers, like some of the incumbents in the space. It's really complicated and it's really hyper-local. You need to know the individual people, what their schedules are, et cetera. And that is really hard to scale But the advent of marketplace technologies allows you to decouple that network build from the requesting of that network. And I think that's what's really powerful, both about how Uber is approaching the ecosystem and candidly partners like ShiftMed, because we have that similar thread of keep doing what you're doing at the hyper local level, but let us help you scale it.
0: And the trust, obviously, I guess trust is sort of baked into that scalability that, Absolutely. It's not right. It's not just a name. It's Uber. Like if you're a, a a consumer, you know what that means, and so it's a um it really has a a privileged position among consumers looking for that service, particularly on the transportation side, but also more and more on all the other elements that you pulled together. Absolutely. As we close out, I love to, to wrap with some advice. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs already out there listening on this show, but uh, Jacob, I'd love to start with you. When you're, when you're thinking about a startup going into this complementary partnership, collaboration, or whatever you want to call it with a group like Uber, what advice would you have for other startup founders and operators out there when they're thinking about that?
1: Yeah, I think one is don't be afraid to reach out. I think that Most early stage and startups and founders have a tendency to want to manifest their own destiny and do things differently. But when you can look at some of the core problems that your marketplace or startup or business is offering, there is tons and tons of value of being connected into the larger ecosystem. So exploring these large enterprise and partnerships. And one of the things that you'll find is when using your network and leveraging that to to find the right teams here. But a lot of these larger companies and enterprises will have full partnership teams that you can work directly with. And they've thought about, they've had more time to think about some of the core problems that maybe you're dealing with, or hopefully you can bring new approaches to that, but there's often times where in the case of Uber and Uber Health, where they had a, a full suite of APIs that we were able to plug into and then unlock this amazing benefit for health systems as well as uh, clinicians at the same time. And so, um, and and then lastly, just really aligning what your core objectives are and, and what they're looking to achieve. I mean, this was really a, a, a match made in heaven when it comes to, uh, you know, the both of our companies being backbone by a large technology marketplace. And, you know, uh, Galen hit the nail on the head, which is, you know, in in healthcare, there is a reason for why people are called care teams. You need all these different aspects to to pull together to make sure that you're meeting the patient where they're at. And as we continue to transition from a fee-for-service world to a value-based world, like that is going to be of even just even more importance for the larger health care ecosystem.
0: And Caitlin, what about the other side of the table? I'm sure there are are folks feverishly taking notes as Jacob was talking through how that works, but what should you know as a startup before approaching a, a group like Uber?
2: I think Jacob hit the nail on the head. The two pieces of advice I'll give, one is I think anyone who's in health tech knows that it is really hard to get to get space on a roadmap, no matter how big or small you are, roadmap and resources are tight. And so understanding where you fit into the ecosystem and making that case to make the right connections, I think is always valued. The second thing is actually something you said at the top of the of the podcast, Joe, about how it's really hard to go from zero to one as a tech company because you have to think about the nuances of how the system operates today. And so thinking about where your value is, how you meet the system, where they are, and then pushing from within goes quite a long way as well. And I think partnership helps with that.
0: Caitlin Donovan, Uber Health and Jacob Laufer, ShiftMed. Thanks for joining me today.
2: Thanks so much. This was wonderful.
1: Thanks, Joe. Lots of fun. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review and rating. It helps others find us. To learn more about how AWS supports startups, please go to aws.amazon.com startups.